All right, let's do this. We're going live in five, four, three. Oh my, just so many business podcasts out there. How can I possibly know where to begin? Here at Intrepid Business, we are about stripping away all of the usual boring fluff and instead focus on showcasing real people doing real business, achieving amazing things. The ones truly changing the world, the instigators making a dent, the people changing how we do sales and marketing, leading innovation, the people redefining leadership. But who are these people? Why do they do what they do? How do they do what they do? Find out on Intrepid Business. And now, here are your hosts. Good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Business. I am your host, Todd Schneck. Oh, I have been looking forward to this conversation. Uh, this is a gentleman who, who like me, has uh, made a career out of some marketing work, but we both have political backgrounds. And this guy has written a new book called The Marketing Revolution in Politics, and it's so timely. As we record this, we are now knee-deep into the uh, primary election season for the 2016 presidential campaign. So everything we're going to be talking about is very, very relevant. And if you're a business person and you worry about marketing, which means every one of you listening to this, this conversation is going to be very, very important because there are, as you're watching Hillary Clinton, as you're watching Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump and Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio, Everything they're doing, everything they're saying, every action they take, there are business lessons for you and I to pull from and learn and apply to our organization. So really going to be a cool conversation. So let's say hello to my guest. His name is Bruce Newman. He's a professor of marketing from DePaul University and also the author of that book I mentioned, The Marketing Revolution in Politics. Bruce, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on, Todd. Now, the pleasure is mine. Now, you and I have got to get together face-to-face. I'm sure you and I could talk for hours and share some well, interesting sure. stories. With my background with the Bush family and your background with uh, with Clinton and such, uh, it, it would be a lively conversation, I have no doubt. Before we get into our conversation around the book, Bruce, I would love to give you a quick second to inform the audience a bit about you and your background. Well, I am a full-time professor at DePaul for 28 years. In 1995 and 96, I was advisor to senior aides to President Clinton on communication strategy and helped him to get uh, reelected to office in 1996. I lecture around the world on the subject of politics and marketing. I have done so for 30 years. I've written 14 books now and enjoy the intellectual challenge of applying marketing to politics. And now we live in a situation where the the movement in the paradigm has gone from business to politics, back from politics to business. So there's much that business can learn from the Obama model that I talk about in the book and certainly from the current campaign season and the success of Donald Trump. There's a lot for business people to learn about marketing from the political marketplace. Well, it's very clear. The, the, the campaign that Obama ran in nine, in 2008 was was a state of the art it was a home run i mean everything they did was right and so there's a lot of lessons we learned from that and 
to be fair and balanced here, the, the, the idea behind Trump is, is there's a reason why Trump is succeeding right now and why he is on, as we speak, as we record this, he's on the path to be the nominee for the Republican Party. There is a reason for that. And, and so we're going to talk about that. So, uh, Bruce, gosh, I, I, <laughs> I don't know where to begin. I guess what I want to start off with is, is there's probably someone listening to this who says, wait a minute. I don't understand the connection, the marketing connection between politics and business. And so I, 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 I want to tee you up to explain why there is that connection. I'll, I'll lead it off with this story is that I had a I probably had a 15 year political career before I got into the, the marketing work that I did. And when I started marketing, people said, well, wait a minute, you didn't get a marketing degree. How can you possibly be a consultant? I said, what do you think I was doing for all those years as a political consultant? Do you think I was, I wasn't marketing a box of Cheerios, but I was marketing candidates. I was marketing ideas and, and all the tactics I used to win elections or all the tactics I poorly did to lose elections was all marketing. So, so I know you appreciate that story. Explain just out of the gate the the tie-in between marketing, between political campaigns and business. Well, in a similar way as you uh, had no formal education in marketing, I've had no formal education in politics. I have a BS, MBA, PhD, all in marketing from University of Illinois in Champaign. And it came time for me to do a dissertation. And the dissertation I chose was to apply the tenets of marketing and consumer behavior to the political marketplace. The very essence of marketing is all about forecasting the future. And the best way that we can forecast the future is to understand the needs and the wants uh, of customers. Uh, Voters can be viewed as a customer in no different way than uh, someone who's buying a BMW as a customer for that corporation. So the application of marketing to politics rests with the notion that as with any company in any industry, the organization has to build an emotional connection with the customer. In order to do that, you have to understand the needs and the wants of different uh, customer segments, of which there are many different ones in the political marketplace. And then, of course, a company has to develop a brand, create a niche for themselves in a marketplace, develop a winning advertising strategy, develop a relationship with your customer, and be able to react in a crisis situation. So all of the tenets of the business marketplace apply to politics, but in the case of politics, it's an extreme case study of marketing because you have the complexity of a politician trying to satisfy many, many different segments of voters perhaps many more than most companies have to do with customers. You have the challenge of having your brand as a politician, as we see today happening in the news, of being kicked around on a daily basis. In no other marketplace do you have a brand identity that changes from day to day, week to week. So essentially, the the challenge in the political marketplace, similar to the business marketplace, is to control your brand, have a certain consistency of message, reinforce that message to the right segments of voters in this case, and be able to act on a dime if you find yourself in a crisis the way that Ted Cruz right now is in a crisis uh, because he fired his communication advisor, the same way that Donald Trump was in a crisis when he chose not to participate in the debate before the Iowa caucus. So the, the case study of politics 
uh, the marketing study of politics. It's a case study, which is what the book is about, is an extreme environment where you're under the microscope 24-7 on a regular basis. Talk about the Obama campaign. I think the, the campaign that I really study and admire was obviously the 2008 election. Obviously, a lot of similar lessons learned from his re-elect uh, four years later. But but I think it's it's important to understand. Now, look, uh, full disclosure here, I'm on the other side of the aisle from, from President Obama. But that doesn't mean that I didn't consume every book I could possibly find on his his campaign because it was it was it was a case study on how to run a modern campaign and frankly, which is the whole point of your message, uh, pull lessons from to to market your business or organization or nonprofit. So what what are what are the key the, the two or three key lessons from from Obama's campaigns that all businesses ought to say I ought to do everything I can to learn exactly how they did it. Well, if you look at the, as you said, and I agree with you, especially Obama 2008, if you look at that campaign, you're looking at a startup organization. Many refer to this as the movie model, right? Mm -hmm. You make a movie, you bring actors together, staff, you make the movie, they disperse, they're gone. As you know, being in the political business, uh, same thing was done. But this was a startup organization in 2008 that was able to bring experts around the table from many different industries. They were able to bring people together that were very, very sharp when it came to the use of technology. The lesson, one of the big lessons from Obama 2008 is the use of big data, the use of customer analytics, the use of micro-targeting and social media, integrating that in a way that we have never seen before. And of course, that is the message of my book. So, the, so one big message is how do you integrate technology? Obama 2008 pulled together these experts. They had them create a dashboard that went onto a computer screen, built on a thousand variables. They developed persuasion scores for millions of voters that were sitting on the fence that were targeted by Obama. And Obama knew that they needed to win over these million voters and they had all this information on them. So the first lesson is to use that, use that big data. The second lesson is in branding. The Obama brand was a consistent brand. It was all about developing a brand on the basis of a movement. Movements are very powerful in politics. We see a similar thing happening with Trump, uh, with Sanders, with Cruz. These are candidates that have developed a movement, but especially in 2008, the movement reflects an organization that is going to the marketplace, understanding what the people want, and presenting themselves as a brand that is responsive to the needs and the wants of people. People want to change in 2008, and the Obama campaign represented an organization, a product, if you will, that offered that change to people. That's the second big lesson. The third big lesson from the Obama model, as I refer to it in the book, is the ability to react to any crisis at any point in time. These are people that uh, were able to use the technology, for example, to put advertisements online that had cookies that followed you if you went to the website. And based on your previous visits and what you had requested in terms of information and based on the current crisis that they might have been in at various moments during the campaign, they changed the ad. They changed the message in real time. So that's the third big message that all of this technology was used to actually promote 
the the product, the brand, if you will, Obama in 2008. All right. Bruce Newman and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by the new international best-selling book, Leadership Rigor. This groundbreaking book will turn everything you think you know about leadership upside down. Leadership Rigor explores how to achieve breakthrough performance and productivity through leading yourself, leading teams, and leading at the organizational level. Author Erica Piedler outlines for her readers how to become change-ready leaders. Change-ready leaders are capable of embracing challenges with agility and optimism because they have the tools, models, and language to assess, structure, and facilitate solutions. Leadership is a skill that can be learned and practiced. Take the rigor challenge and ask yourself, do you want to lead mindfully and skillfully? Or do you want to subject your teams and organizations to your unstructured thoughts and approaches? The choice is yours. Will you rigor it? You can purchase Leadership Rigor on Amazon or by visiting ericpeetler.com. All right, I am back with Bruce Newman, professor of marketing at DePaul University and the author of a new book, The Marketing Revolution in Politics. So, oh gosh, Bruce, I don't even know where to begin. There are 300 different things I want to talk to you about. Um, you wrapped the uh, first segment of the show with a discussion around something that I think is so mission critical in business today in terms of marketing business or marketing a nonprofit or any organization. It is the ability to have real-time decision-making, which changes everything in the modern context, especially when you, when you consider the fact that you now can integrate social media and all those, those communication tools into your marketing mix. I mean, that's, that's, there's still too many organizations that are still fumbling and stumbling when they have to do some crisis management. They're, they're taking days and weeks to manage that when you're, you're dead. You're, you're already lost. And, and that's the lesson. I mean, you, you mentioned Cruz's example of having to fire this communications person. I mean, that, that all happened within, within minutes, if not hours. I mean, talk about the, 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 the make sure it's real clear to those listening to this the impact that can have on, on on your business or your organization's story and how that, that changes perception instantly in the marketplace. Well, let, let's say that a business uh, finds itself in a crisis moment and they come to the weekend and they decide not to control the social media interaction going on over the course of a weekend. They come back to their social media websites and they find themselves in even a bigger mess. The point is, we have found out, and we can actually go back to Clinton 1992 when the war room, as it was referred to, became a big new hot item on the political scene, where if there were any accusations against Clinton, they were responded to immediately. Well, today we live in an environment where, where accusations and slander and information can be conveyed, as you said before, in a matter of seconds. And it has to be responded to. So, so companies have to be ready and able to, to react to those situations. They also have to be able to react to something that perhaps they implemented that isn't working well. For example, in the book, I talk about different companies in the for-profit and the non-profit sector, as well as the political sector. And I call it a strategic triad and talk about the, the lessons, the, 
the best practices that one could use from these different sectors. And one example is a, a British Air was using technology so that the uh, people that would greet you as you walked onto the plane had access to a mini dashboard on a handheld computer. And as you walked up to them, they knew who you were and they started to say hello to people as they walked into the plane by their name knowing what their preferences were, it almost became a little bit too intimate for some of the customers. Mm -hmm. So they stopped doing that. So, there, you know, you can go too far with this technology as well. Well, see, I, I, I want to make it clear that this isn't this isn't just this ability to react and, and, and move in real time isn't just big ticket stuff. It's not just like an automaker who has to deal with a, rec a recall. I'm talking about you can deal with this on an individual customer by customer basis too, right? When they're complaining on Twitter about something, you have the ability to, to real time take action to, to diffuse that situation too. You, you do. And also let's take the uh, example of MetLife that realize that their agents, as they spoke to a customer or a client, potential client, it took them 40 clicks on their computer to get to the history of this client, if mm. they were one, to be able to offer some new products and services. So they reduced down the 40 clicks to one click. <laughs> and they provided the uh, agents the ability to be more effective in their communication and in their marketing with these uh, with these clients. Well, and that's that's game changing when when you're able to do that. While, while whilst we're on the subject of of social media, if you will, that, let's talk very quickly about Trump. He gets a lot of grief for his activity on Twitter, when in fact I think it's it's the it's the engine feeling his interest is in how he's leveraging it. Do you have any comments there? I mean, I uh, I, I think the the real time nature of what he's doing and, and being responsive to attacks. Uh, I can tell you now, as a new Chicago resident, uh, the, the 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 swiftness with which he went after Ricketts family for supporting someone other than him. I mean, that thing happened instantly. And, and I think, I think, I think the real strength of, of his movement, as you call it, is because of, frankly, I think it's his activity on Twitter almost alone. I mean, it's amazing to me. Well, he, you know, he's, uh, <laughs> he's very likely to be the Republican nominee. And uh, I was doing a little history check, perhaps the first real non-politician in the history of this country to represent a major political party. But what's happening with his tweets and why they're so effective is not just because of the communication channel that takes place on Twitter, but the major TV stations pick up and re-communicate the tweets that, that he puts out because the tweet becomes the message of the moment, the message of the day. So Donald Trump, having been a TV superstar for the last 15, 20 years, has learned how to use and leverage uh, his brand in order to get his message out there to people. He's very effective at uh, having a consistent brand. He's had one simple single message that has been to make America great again. It's resonating with the movement, the people that are responding to him. And it's clear that his brand, as the other brands that are discussed, the other politicians, are massaged and altered on a day-to-day -day basis. His, I would say, is the most consistent amongst all of them. So he's, he's able to use this technology. If you want to go to one of his events, now that we live in this new internet-based world, you have to offer your email address to him. That's the only requirement. So what, what's really happened, Todd, in the political distribution channel, similar to what's happened with e-commerce, is it's become more direct. In the same way that customers go direct to an Amazon 
and have their products delivered to them. They don't have to walk into a retailer. There's no use of a wholesaler. In the same way, the political distribution channel has become more direct from politician to the voter. And this has allowed someone like a Trump or someone like a Sanders to get their message across without having it to be filtered by the party apparatus. Oh, boy, boy. And I used to be part of that party apparatus, so I understand the value and the power of that. So, like I said earlier, Bruce, I have 300 directions I could take this, uh, but in the interest of time, what I do want to have you do real quickly is walk the, the audience through how you organize the book. I mean, there, there are seven key lessons, seven key or understandings that you've, that you've uh, coalesced this whole idea around, right? There are. Uh, the, the first lesson, the first marketing lesson is to understand the needs and wants of your customers. Uh, the second lesson is to build a unique brand identity. The third lesson is to use research strategically. Uh, the fourth lesson is to integrate research methods. Fourth lesson is to have a winning advertising strategy. The fifth lesson, the sixth lesson is to develop a relationship with your customers. And the seventh lesson is to be able to act in a crisis moment, be able to respond to to any crisis that uh, that uh, happens to take place. So all of the seven marketing lessons integrate into each of the chapters a juxtaposition of how this new technology I refer to, the role of big data, customer analytics, micro-targeting in social media, which has not been integrated before in any book, I might add, how each of those different technologies take place through each of the seven marketing lessons. And I have many case histories of corporations and nonprofit organizations and other political organizations besides Obama that have used them successfully so that I offer a set of best practices across the seven lessons. Well, we could talk for hours on each of those seven lessons. Uh, in the interest of time, again, I want to wrap on one final discussion around data. Now, I, I, as a former political operative, uh, I spent a heck of a lot of money on polls over the years. And, and, and what I think most people are doing, now, and here's a parallel to the business, is all, most businesses have data. They're just not doing squat with it. Because what a business is doing is what a lot of people used to do with polls is that they would spend twenty five grand getting a poll uh, produced, but then they would look at the top lines and say, oh, okay, well, here's a snapshot today of where my candidate stands. But they don't look at the cross tabs. They don't go deep into the data and make the real amazing little connections and say, oh, here's what can really move strategy and, 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 defi and define the message of the, of, the, of the direct mail to that specific audience. They don't get into that stuff. Most businesses collect data. We're good at collecting data. We, we, we really stink at doing anything meaningful or, or actionable about it. To me, that's the most important thing that you talk about. Is, and, that's, and that is Obama 2008, is, is, is as you said, the micro-targeting, and then integrating that into other facets of the campaign like social media and direct mail and, and, and turnout and all that stuff. That's, that's the real power of what's possible today that most people still are not taking advantage of, right? You're, you're quite right, Todd. And the, the, tech, the data has been there <laughs> since the 1970s. But the technology to mine the data has not been there. And the experts that they need, people like you and myself, uh, to get into that information and use it has not been available because there just aren't the people around to do it. And what Obama did in both 2008 and 2012, 
And we refer to this as big data, which sounds complicated. It's not complicated. It's taking silos of information. And what they did in 2008 is to take people's TV viewership habits, to take people's magazine habits, to take their past history in politics, and to take all of those silos of information and pull them together into a big database, create a dashboard, build a very sophisticated model based on 1,000 variables, move that into a dashboard that sits in front of any person who sat around that table in the startup organization for Obama 2008 and 2012, hit the computer and get the best practice they needed to make a decision at any moment on any day of that campaign. Well, said another way, if you subscribed to Guns and Ammo magazine, you probably did not get a turnout call from the Obama campaign. So, Bruce, uh, <laughs> as I suspected, I'm almost weeping that we're out of time. Uh, you and I have much, much more to discuss. We'll have to talk offline about how we can continue this dialogue because we have barely scratched the surface. However, but for today, if people want to contact you with any questions, learn about your work at DePaul, or get their hands on a copy of this book, how do they do all that? Well, they can get me vis-a-vis email at bnewman at depaul.edu if they would like to contact me personally. They can go to amazon.com. They can type in my name, Bruce I. Newman, and of course, they'll find the title, The Marketing Revolution in Politics, or they can go to my website, which is www.politicalmarketing.com. Bruce Newman, professor of marketing at DePaul University and the author of the new book, The Marketing Revolution in Politics. Bruce, as I suspected, wicked fun conversation. I hope uh, you'll come back into the show. I'd love to, Todd. I enjoyed the conversation. I did as well. All right, well, that's all the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Bruce Newman, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Business. Thank you.